Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It is the middle of the day, and this is a special episode of Ambassador's Corner because evidently this is our 50th anniversary, 50th episode since we've debuted um, on Clubhouse with the Italian Wine Club um, and um, Wine Business. So, um, here we are, and we had started our first episode was with Cynthia, with Cynthia, um, and ciao Cynthia. Ciao Stevie. So, you know, as you guys know, Joey's our producer for Italian Wine Podcast, and Laika is a, our clubhouse manager. All of this Ambassador's Corner is happening thanks to this woman, Laika, but she's not here because let me just I wrote to um Joy who's actually right just next door and I said can Laika join us she can't join us is that correct and she said yes she's on a boat wait wait for this somewhere in the Philippines anyway so she will try but I'm not sure how great her sound will be so I don't see her so she's not here as of yet so I know this is not our usual slot and nobody's around because every in Italy, everyone's getting ready for lunch, but um, we'll see how this goes. Because as you know, we the, the real deal, uh, the real deal is the replay on podcast. By the way, congratulations to everybody because we paid three million. <laughs> That's 3 million listens, folks, and that is thanks to you and everybody who's listening to Italian Wine Podcast. Um, And if you haven't, please don't forget to subscribe and follow us and send us any comments. Okay, Cynthia, let's get on with the show. So um, who is your guest today? So my guest today is Ilona Toon. She comes from the very famous Toon family with their famous ceramics. However, the reason she's here today, of course, is because she and her husband, Vittorio, created an incredible winery that focuses on the unique wines of Valtenesee, especially the rosés, which you know I'm a huge fan of. And the winery they've built from the ground up is an incredible example of wine communication and wine tourism and experiences at their best. So the excellent quality of their wine is sort of mirrored by the amazing quality of their uh, hospitality. And they are also supporters of the Lenny Toon On Loose Foundation, uh, which is something I want to talk about too. So I think Ilona's amazing for what she's accomplishing in terms of hospitality and communicating her region to a broader audience. Okay, so take it away. I know Ilona uh, has, hasn't got very much time, so why don't you just take it away? Okay, fantastic. 
Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this is your busy season um, and you've got a lot going on at the cantina. So thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you for hosting me. Thanks a lot. Huge pleasure. Huge pleasure. Um, listen, I, I, I really want to talk about your winery. It's such a gem in the Val Tennessee re region. And you've really become like a leading light for all the other winemakers that are there. Um, you and your husband are both from Sud Tyrol. How did you and Vittorio find this spot in Val Tennessee on the western shore of Lake Garda? What made you choose this place? Well, thank you very much and um, for your enthusiasm and sharing uh, uh, when you came to visit us uh, just a few days ago. It was a really pleasure to uh, hear that you also appreciate the place where uh, we're building up all this, um, we call it our experience winery. <laughs> and uh, we like to host people in this magical place. So we really get warm hearted when um, we get this kind of feedback. And how we came here, that is a very good question. Uh, it took us a long time, actually. We started off in South Tyrol, so uh, in the um, northern part of Italy, in the Dolomites. We have a very small wine um, piece of land there, uh, just two hectares. So we began producing there our Lenatun wine. That's a pure Sauvignon, 100% Sauvignon. And we made about 6,000 bottles. So that's, of course, a very, very tiny production. And then the desire after a few years that we came into um, the production with this wine was to expand our production, of course, to um, be able to build up a proper um, winery with all the requirements. And uh, so we started to travel around Italy. I spent one whole year in um, Toscan in Tuscany uh, because that's the kind of place that maybe on top of mind of many people is that perfect spot of the Italian winery and where you can sit on the porch and sip a good wine and yeah just have this kind of um, combination of hospitality and uh, wine production so that is um, actually the dream of our project to um, reunite these two aspects these two uh, um, uh, sectors also because it is a very different uh, way of working and also of setting up your whole business. So for us, uh, producing wine and at the same time hosting uh, guests in our place, in our winery, means to work seven on seven, which of course is quite, um, yeah, quite intense, but that's what just we love to do. And uh, that's why we then searched around more in whole Italy and we um, in the end got to Lake Garda. We love this place because it has many aspects like uh, great uh, um, climate all year long. So there's actually just one month uh, in January where it's a bit harsher the climate, but then it's pleasant to stay outdoors uh, all year long. And we work with outdoor experiences like the picnic, like the dinner in the vineyard every uh, month of the year. So that was a very important aspect for us. And also the... Um, uh, all the infrastructure, so how to reach Lake Garda. We have lots of um, uh, airports, highways that lead in a easy way to Lake Garda, so there is not too much hassle for our guests to come to visit us. And then we are in a complete natural and uh, green surrounded place, so you get off the highway, you drive 20 minutes, and you get to this amazing place where, uh, yeah, you're just surrounded by vineyards and olive groves. 
Well, it is. It is such a magical place. It's it's really beautiful. Um, the first time that I ever went there was a couple of years ago to to see you after we'd met in Cannes at a at a rosé festival, and you were just starting to right, expand yeah, and to to build the new winery, expanding your labels um, and grappa and olive oil. So over COVID, you built yeah. this incredible facility that I just visited the other day. Um, your your main focus is on on rosé. So why are the rosés so important in Bob Tennessee? Has, has that always been the case? You know, what grapes are you using and why are those so special to you? Yeah, well, that's uh, another very good question. How um, famous and how old is the production of rosé in this area? And the answer is actually since ever. This is a very uh, ancient production area for wine in Italy, but it has never grown big. It has never been same as the Provence for uh, uh, France whom many, many people know, and you just need to say that word Provence and you directly connected with uh, great rosé wines. So when you say Valdenesi, not even many uh, Italians know um, this production area. It has same, not same, it has similar climatic um, conditions as the Provence, so that constant uh, wind. Um, also, in terms of soil, we have a quite poor soil, so um, the um, roots of our uh, um, grapes, they go quite deeply down. That gives the wine lots of minerality. We have this uh, um, morenic gravel ground, so sand mixed with um, round stones that come from the glacial areas that caved uh, Lake Garda, and uh, that gives the um, our vineyard is the, the perfect condition to uh, produce especially our uh, native grape and that is the Groppello. We have this uh, special grape which just uh, um, grows on Lake Garda on uh, the west shore side, so where we are in Valtenesi and it is a very compact grape so the um, single grains, they touch each other and it's uh, with a very thin thin skin uh, that makes it a very difficult grape to grow but it is uh, the perfect grape for making rosé because it has a very light color and it has a perfect acidity balance to give the rosé that kind of hint you really want in the glass when you taste uh, such a wine you want a fresh wine you want something crunchy you want something very perfumed so to make such kind of rosés that um, also are able to last, to last long uh, in terms of uh, aging. Not just fresh rosé that you drink directly the year after production, but rosés that can get five, ten years old. That is very special for this kind of wine. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm a huge fan, we have, as you know. Yeah. I know you appreciate the rosé especially because you got, I think, the... Um, the, the meaning of the rosé. A rosé is produced in our area just with red grapes. So you kind of have the tannins, you have the structure of a, um, yeah, of a red wine, not really, it's, it's not a red wine, of course, but then you have also the lightness of a white wine. You have that combination and it is a wine that you can, when you do your classes, <laughs> I think you like to combine it to uh, the different plates so from the entree to the first course, second course, to the dessert. You find rosés that really combine very well to all of this, isn't it? 
Absolutely true. Uh, and and Conti Tune is making sparkling and still, uh, and as you said, uh, an ageable uh, rosé that I think is really something special. So I highly recommend that everybody take a look at those wines. But I really want to talk to you about what you've been doing lately. Um, wine tourism, we know, is so important to Italy now, especially after COVID, getting people back here and into the vineyards and into the cantinas to taste wine in person mm-hmm. like we couldn't do. Um, tastings over Zoom, I'm sorry, I just never could really get comfortable with that, even though I did many, many of them. Um, so over the past year, sure, as I yeah. said, you built a new, ve- a new venue and you've got plans for doing more. So where do you see the future of wine tourism going? How, how did COVID affect everything for you at your winery? Well, it, it affected it quite strongly, as you mentioned, and uh, strongly in a positive way, fortunately. Um, we learned to become much more uh, online on one side. And on the other side, we learned to, um, yeah, host our guests with more attention and with more experiences. So uh, giving them a big choice in the different activities you can do, like uh, just uh, a simple aperitivo. We have this aperituna where you just sit on the porch in front of the vineyards and you have a tasting of our different wines with a combination of nibbles. Or uh, like the the picnic is one of our best sellers. So we also, um, we started off with the picnic already before the COVID, but then we, um, yeah, made it even uh, more likely for our guests. We got lots of feedbacks. And um, it's all this... Uh, want and need we see very much in the wine tourism to be outside to be in the nature being in nature but having a service yeah i think that's what i love about what you're doing is that you're offering um a lot of different packages i think so many wineries in italy could learn from what you're doing in terms of um offering guests you know a really 360 degree view um a lot of wineries only do tastings in the cantina I love the fact that you're outside in the vineyard. I think this is a great way forward. As you said, people want to be outside. They want to see sustainability. They want to learn about where their wine is growing. And I, I think that's something that you're leading in. Um, also, your social media is truly incredible. Um, why have you decided to put so much focus on the method of marketing and getting your brand out there through Instagram? Is it effective? I mean, are, you finding, are your guests finding you that way? What, what would you advise other wine producers to do? Yeah, yeah, the social media point is a very important one. And um, as I mentioned before, the COVID gave us uh, a big kick in this. And we um, were in this COVID situation. So as a young winery, we could not go to big uh, fairs. So Vinitaly was off, of course, uh, other big um, fairs in the rest of Europe, of course, weren't uh, taking place either. So, uh, yeah, there was not much choice to talk with uh, whomever we wanted to get to. And um, we remade our whole website, making it um, an online shop so that people could reach us easily, also with all the experiences, and book them directly on the website. And in terms of uh, social media, it is actually a big focus and it um, kind of explains the, the way we approach uh, the whole um, yeah uh, strategy of our winery and uh, we're very easy um, we have a kind of touch of 
elegance and um, what was, of course, also a, a precise strategy. But then we take every day very easily and like to share it with our audience. So at the moment, we grew on our um, social media uh, page uh, on, uh, sorry, Instagram to, uh, what are we, something like uh, 23,000 uh, followers now. And they're very, very interactive. So they really want to know every day what is on in the winery, uh, which kind of events we have going on. If they cannot reach us, they live maybe too many kilometers from us, then they're happy to see what is happening. And um, it's kind of a way to, uh, yeah, be in the nature and get a feeling of uh, what is going on here. And we see that people like it very, very much. And um, also are happy to use it in an active way. So um, it's about 60 to 70% of our bookings. So for uh, all the wine experiences I'm talking of now, they're coming from social media. So people, they write us on uh, direct mail in uh, Instagram and book their experiences. They ask if we have a table available for aperitivo in the evening or if they can come for a wine tour or if they can book a hens party, many of those, or a, or a birthday or something special to um, celebrate. So what people mostly like for a winery is that we're open seven on seven. And that is one of the main suggestions I would give to other colleagues in uh, of wineries uh, in, in Northern Italy, that most of the wineries, they close on Saturday afternoon and Sunday. And that's the yeah, only moment when guests can come to visit the winery. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a problem. That's, uh, you know, I've, I've had clients and even family and friends around and the time that I'm free and they're free is weekend. So uh, if we can't get to a winery on a Saturday or a Sunday, we're not going to get there at all. I think you're right. Um, producers need to be a little exactly. bit more open-minded, a little less Italian about being shut on Sundays. Uh, so that's a great piece of advice. Um I, I know the other thing that you're doing is you're part of the consortio of Tutela Chiaretto and Bardolino and Rosa Tocteno. Can you tell us a little bit about those organizations and, and what they're doing, why they're important to your region? Sure, yeah. So I um, just have to say that I'm not of the Bardolino. We have nothing to do with that. <laughs> that is the other side of Lake Garda. That is the east side. And the consortium uh, we are a part of and uh, I'm on board. Uh, is the Valtenesi, so Consorzio Valtenesi. That is the local west side Lake Garda um, wine aggregation of uh, our produ- of the producers. And it has been a... It, um, the past 10 years were quite difficult in this consortium because um, there was a big hassle about how to call it if Riviera del Garda, Valtenesi, other names, um, Bresciano... And of course, this is very confusing. So in the past 10 years, um, this has been uh, fixed to the one name uh, Valtenesi. And since then, there is uh, much um, investment, if you could call like that, uh, in communication, in uh, events they're doing. Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and other stories, and much, much more. 
on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. In order to let people know this uh, wonderful spot on earth, <laughs> and we're also uh, working lots together with uh, actually what I mentioned before, uh, the Consortium of uh, Provence. So since, um, yeah, ages, I would say over 10 years uh, now, there is a, a strong collaboration. We talk it to each other every week, um, especially in terms of uh, scientific um, researches. So about rosé, about the best color of the rosé, about the best taste of rosé, about the best perfume of rosé, and there are constant, um, yeah, researches going on that start from uh, which kind of grapes to use, how to grow them, which kind of weather conditions they like or they want to be exposed to, how to treat the grape during the year. So uh, if you should uh, leave many leaves on uh, the plant in order that it develops in one direction, or if you should maybe get rid of some leaves in order that the grapes get a stronger, get a more um, sunny flavor, we call it. So yeah, there are many, many details I don't want to now uh, go into because it would take us too long um, that are being researched together with uh, Provence and that gives us a strong standing because they're kind of the big brothers for us. <laughs> they're, um, of course, much, much bigger. They produce around two, uh, sorry, about 200 million rosé bottles just to have a... Um, uh, confrontation, the Valtenesi Consortium, we produce 2 million bottles. So 200 against 2 million. That's, uh, of course, very big in terms of numbers. Um, but we work together with them on top of research, also uh, in terms of con communication. So also Consortium Valtenesi and the, cons the Consortium of uh, Provence, we have a um, social media program with... Uh, um, Influencers, they tour around from one area to the other one. So to, um, yeah, make, uh, produce content about, uh, about these regions and, um, let it grow, let it know to, uh, to big audience. That's so interesting that you're sort of working together with the consortium of Provence. It's kind of like consorting with the enemy. I would have thought, you know, they're, they, they're big, their style is different from yours, and you've turned that into a more positive collaboration rather than a competition um, because your style yeah, is, very is, positive. is quite different. Yeah, that's, I, think that's, I think that's amazing. I mean, are you exporting your wines now outside of Italy? Um, where, where are you selling your wines mostly? Well, we, we are a very, very small winery at the moment because we're uh, in a process to grow. We, at the moment, produce uh, 50,000 bottles which is quite small for a winery. Medium wineries produce around 500 bottles, big wineries over a million bottles. So we, uh, at the moment, are selling uh, mostly in our winery itself. So um, people that come to visit us directly here, we are actually also exporting mostly to um, Central and Northern Europe. Um, it's uh, much of the request com comes from Germany. Uh, we have uh, little uh, restaurants and little uh, um, wine shops that request our uh, wines. And um, something also in the UK, Netherlands, uh, Belgium, something around yeah, the northern uh, European countries. And little, little request, uh, um, and we're sending it. It's uh, with um, customs 
quite difficult to the US, but we're um, getting there. <laughs> no, I think it's great. Uh, you know, the, the trend for rosé globally, as we all know, is growing exponentially. And people don't know that much about Italian rosé. So the fact that you're getting it out there across Europe and even sort of getting a little toehold in the U.S. Uh, is going to be important to to Valtenese and also to Italian rosé in general. If people get interested, they'll they'll be looking for it. So that's really, that's important. Um, I, I also want to just talk sure, to you a little yeah. bit about your Lenitun Onless Foundation. Um, it's a really special project. I know your winery is supporting it and it was named after your grandmother. But it's a, a recreational therapy project that takes ceramics into pediatric um, cancer departments in a lot of hospitals. Can you tell us about the yeah. project and how it came about and how people can get involved? Yeah, well, thank you for touching this. It, uh, um, you wore my heart when you talk about this because it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a small foundation, but um, now it's quite widespread around Italy. We work in 32 hospitals and, um, as you mentioned, in uh, the laboratories, basically give the opportunity to um, mostly kids that um, have to do long cures in hospitals and um, get uh, away from school in this way and all kind of entertainment, of course, because what they do mostly is laying in their hospital bed. So this recreational therapy um, means that we, we provide them with all the necessary materials to work with clay. So from the clay itself, of course, and all the materials that you need then to, uh, uh, to the colors and whatever, whatever. And of course, also the personnel who, um, guides the kids. Uh, and then there is most of the personnel is, uh, volunteers. So it's, uh, mothers, fathers, aunts, or whoever. And they join the laboratories. We have around 10 to 15 volunteers for each laboratory. And uh, one uh, professional, um, uh, how do you say, uh, ceramista. <laughs> I just know the word in Italian. Yeah. And uh, uh, she's then in charge of the, the, the professional artist, person the, who the, works the, the clay. Ceramic artist. Yeah, exactly. Ceramic artist. And uh, she then t- is in charge of taking the ceramic pieces that the kids produced to the professional ovens to um, yeah get it ready then. And most of the things that the kids create, so we gave them some themes like uh, the um, woods uh, or uh, once it was their their dreams, their so their desires, and they produced like a um, half globe. And then the half globes, they were united to one big globe. They were around like, yeah, 30 centimeters wide. And they were all hung up on the main uh, uh, Christmas tree on St. Peter's Square. So in Rome and all the kids that could get out of the hospitals, in total was 500 kids. Uh, They were invited to meet the Pope in a private ceremony in Rome. So... Also, this encounter with the Pope also, of course, is about it's a um, therapy that produces, um, tell me if I'm correct, endorphins, endorphina. Yeah, absolutely. Endorphins. The good feeling. Endorphins. Good feeling chemicals. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And this helps then. It's uh, scientifically proven. This helps uh, to the medicines to work better. 
So they're doing the chemotherapies most of the time and uh, to get them more effective. If they have the endorphins and, of course, all the rest of their body working better, all this um, makes them, yeah, get out of the hospital in the end better and sooner. And mostly it's about the kids, but very often it's also about their families and parents that are living this uh, horrible time in, uh, in their lives. And they get, get kind of this distraction with uh, the clay. Basically, it's um, a therapy that involves cr- making you create something tridimensional. And this uh, calls very strongly this endorphins. So it's, it's a very effective, like there are many therapies like this. There's the, there's the pet therapy, the clown therapy. There are many. Uh, with the clay, it has this uh, very special and strong effect. So the best way to support actually these uh, um, laboratories you can go on the website it's called fondazione lenetun.org so fondazione lenetun and you can adopt the laboratory and uh, yeah just basically um, support it with whatever amount you prefer our um, main aim in searching for supports for these uh, kids and laboratories is with single tiny drops from many people. So we have a bracelet to say thank you. It's a very tiny, uh, thin string with a little wooden heart. And uh, you can find it in all of the tune shops around Italy. It's around 900 shops in Italy. You can find it. You give one euro. And uh, with this one year, you support the foundation. And uh, as a thank you, you get this uh, bracelet, which we call Filo d'Amore. So Filo d'Amore means uh, um, threat of uh, love. And uh, yeah, that's what we just want to do with single little drops. So not asking too much, not asking uh, people to uh, donate huge amounts, but just one euro, two euros, three euros. What we do in the winery here is... um, we organize uh, afternoons for um, healthy kids. So we spread the, wo- the voice uh, uh, in, uh, in schools or kindergartens. And um, the families come in the afternoon and uh, they find uh, the figures of uh, clay, of uh, tun, so um, molded uh, ceramic figures, and they're not colored, so they find them completely um, raw. We give them a kit of colors to um, color them and to buy one of these kits, to buy one of these um, packages, let's say, uh, it costs around 10 to 12 euro. So the, the the motto here is that kids are helping kids. The not um, ill kids, they're having fun and they're coloring and they take home this uh, thing they just, yeah, had fun with. And uh, they donate in the meantime, or their parents actually donate and uh, help kids that are not having a great time in the hospital. I, I, I love how you've tied sort of the science going on in your vineyard and the research you're doing to the science that's going on in the hospitals. And inviting kids into your vineyard, I think, is another thing um, that more Italian wineries could do. You're always happy to have kids in the vineyards and at the cantina at Tune, And I think that's that has helped a lot with your tourism as well. So, uh, you know, kudos for that, because I know a lot of families struggle to take 
you know, children with them if they're going to go wine tasting. And you make it very easy to do that. So I would love for other producers to take a look at that. But I, I also know you're planning to do a lot more building on your estate in Valtenesi. What's the upcoming projects? What are you What are you doing next? Well, the upcoming is uh, for us a little bit the coronation of the whole project because uh, uh, it will be the part of the the rooms. So the courtyard where our winery is um, in, so it's in the middle of our 15 hectares. There's this old courtyard of the 1800s and um, we are refurbishing all this so that next year we will open this little wine resort with uh, 25 rooms and a little wine spa with um, three to four saunas, some massage rooms, and especially the outside part with uh, a big cold swimming pool and another warm swimming pool. And the main thing is for us that every room uh, will have its own little garden. So its own little private space uh, outside in the green. That means that um, basically on the roof of our uh, um, wine cellar, we dig the wine cellar under the ground so that on top, now it uh, could be all green. And uh, that gives the double um, uh, the double aspect of having the winery, the, sorry, the wine cellar with earth and greenery on top keeps it, of course, cooler. So that's what the wines uh, want. And the uh, second positive aspect is that our guests can enjoy a wonderful park and uh, a garden, which is made with, of course, lots of olive trees and um, a nice garden where we filled it up with lots of flowers because <laughs> as rosé producers, of course, we needed lots of pink flowers so that our guests, yeah, can spend mo most of their time when they visit us in the uh, green outside and uh, enjoy they're exactly where all our products come from. So this infinity pool that goes directly into the wine rows and uh, yeah, the rest of the garden that is in an olive grove. Well, that's that's great. I think that's enotourism at its best. Now you've got 360 degrees. Your guests can come, they can taste wine, they can be in nature and they can sleep over. So um, a great model for other producers, not only in your region, but all across Italy to attract more visitors keep them with you for a couple of days, let them really be immersed in your vineyard. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing all of that. I hope it inspires other producers to do some more interesting things to, to get more um, tourists into here and into drinking our wines. And I know you are a very busy woman, so I won't keep you any longer. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your time today. It was really great to hear you. Well, thank you very much, Cynthia, for uh, initiating this and for inviting me. It was a great honor. And uh, congrats to uh, uh, the Clubhouse and to the podcast for, um, I just hear before your great numbers you just reached. So applause to that. It was really a big honor to be part of this today and to share a little bit of our uh, tiny spot here. We're really super, super happy to welcome whomever wants to come by here. Hi, Yelena. I'm Stevie. I'm back. Um, just have you got time for one more Hi. question? Sure, sure. Yeah, Ilona. So you know, um, just just I want to understand something. So your family is uh, from the it's the famous Tun Ceramics family. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so then you're coming from this, you know, family business of ceramics. Number one, why did you want to start making wine? And number two, why didn't you start making wine in like Alto Adige, which is your home? Yeah, <laughs> that is. Uh, I am just curious. Uh, yeah. No, that's very good to ask because um, Alto Adige is a very important wine region. And um, I am from their native and I would have liked to stay there also, I must admit. Um, we started to produce. So, my family, we have wineries since uh, always, all the past generations of my family that go back to um, the year 1150. So we have a quite long history. Oh, so and, where, uh, we where is your family winery? Our family winery is, uh, well, we have um, vineyards. So not okay. a winery where we produce wine in Alto Adige. Because in Alto Adige, the... Um, social wine cellars uh yeah cantina they went to a very high level yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) yeah they they are at a very high uh level um very different from all the rest of italy where they are perceived as very low level they are the benchmark in (laughs) terms of co-ops i was just there actually at tramin um last week oh yeah exactly that is that is one of the amazing ones and we always um gave our grapes to terlano uh-huh. okay. and they actually just take grapes from the best vineyards so right. for us mm-hmm. uh, our family and our past generation it was always an honor to mm-hmm. uh, um give our grapes to um this co-ops as mentioned so we started them 20 years ago producing our first wine which is the lena tun Mm-hmm. And uh, we gave him the name of uh, my grandma. And that was that very tiny production. So when we got on our first steps and uh, wanted to go on with the production, of course, our idea was to stay in Alto Adige. Mm-hmm. And we started looking around. I must admit that in terms of prices of uh, buying a vineyard in Alto Adige, it yeah, was uh, impossible for us to start a business. Mm-hmm. To give you a, a dimension of the yeah, prices. Yeah, economically it was not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. They cost around 800 to 1,000 to 1 million, one hectare uh, exactly. versus in Valdenesi, where we are now. Uh, so it's one of the five most uh, um, uh, costly areas in whole Italy. Yeah, sought after. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not really affordable. So either you inheritate uh, more um, wine. In, yeah, mm-hmm. a whole estate, but to um, build up the whole wine cellar. And um, we were looking for uh, a native, another area was native grapes. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were touring around it. So native grapes together with uh, the fact that they, uh, we, we want them to be naturally um how you say uh, the the cultivation? So, uh, an organic cultivation. Sorry, right. okay. <laughs> could get up with the word. Um, so we were looking uh, around for this, and we could not find it. it was an affordable price in uh, in Alto Adige. That's why then uh, we moved to because uh, there is too few space in Alto Adige. There are so many mountains. Yeah, and, and uh, it's highly fertile. sought after. But of course, they make one of exactly, the yeah. best best wines of Italy. So, I'm 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 a fan. Um, 
So I was, it was just curious. It seemed, it seemed so odd that you went to uh, another area. True, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. True, absolutely. All right, Ilona. Uh, Thank you so much wanna... being part of... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> I just want, uh, want to mention that we have this one wine that comes from Alto Adige, and that is a very precious wine for us. So uh, as you mentioned, that they have a very high level, not because it's our wine, all the wines of Alto Adige, they're very, uh, very good. And uh, yeah, uh, that, probably they're, they're good and precious because there are so few of them. <laughs> and what, which wine is that? The, the, the wine we produce is 100% Sauvignon. Oh, Sauvignon. Okay. All right. Okay. Very yeah, good. yeah. Listen, Ilona, thank you so much for being part of this um, 50th anniversary episode. And uh, hope to meet you in person and maybe perhaps we can pop by your, your winery. Sure, sure. It would be a great pleasure if we could combine with uh, Cinzia and uh, whomever you would like to come by. It would be a great pleasure. And uh, thank you very much again for uh, the honor for being with you at this 50th anniversary. Yes, thank you so much to you. Ciao, ciao ragazzi. And it's a wrap. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.